Welcome to the Product Podcast by Product School. Here's a preview of today's talk. Bitcoin is the gateway drug. Um, it's the first thing that people kind of step into. It's the first large cryptocurrency. It's the first cryptocurrency. It's the first use case for the blockchain. Um, but there's over 2,000 coins out there. Why can anybody create a coin? I mean, product school could create their own coin and make people use their coin to buy the courses, right? Why is that even possible? The reason why it's possible is because Bitcoin is open source. Ethereum is open source, right? So meaning that the, they take the, the code that you use to create the, the, the uh, coin is actually consumable for the world to see, right? So anybody could take it, tweak it, and then make it their own. Right. Um, and just kind of introduce it. That's why we have so many coins that's created, created out, out there, especially last year with the uh, ICOs, initial coin offering um, hype. People were doing it all day because they saw it. In this podcast, we teach our listeners valuable lessons about product management and transform them into thinking like a product manager. We teach product management, coding, data analytics, and blockchain in 14 campuses worldwide, including San Francisco, New York, and Seattle. You can find more information at productschool.com. Join our Slack community of 25,000 professionals to network and stay tuned for our upcoming events. First off, thanks for being here. Um, it's, it's the unofficial last Thursday of the summer. Um, the weather is beautiful. And cryptocurrency market is down over 50%, but you're still here on, a, on Thursday night um, learning about the space. So kudos to you, because if we did this uh, about a year ago, even in January, this will, it, we would have to get Master Garden to get as many people that want to learn about it. But I think the people that want to learn about it now are a lot more impressive because they're not in it for the quick buck. Um, so, you know. I'm, I'm glad to kind of speak to you guys. Um, like you said, my name is Fritz. Uh, I, have a, I have a startup called Coin Gamma. We're, we're a combination, we like, we like to call ourselves the Bloomberg of crypto. Um, we have a content site. So we have a website where we write content. We have a podcast where we interview people, uh, some of the leaders in the uh, blockchain and crypto space. Um, but we also have um, a data side where um, we're building data analytics. So, you know, my, my issue with this space was that, you know, I used to work on Wall Street. Um, then I moved into tech, but when I got into cryptocurrency, um, I wanted to analyze crypto the same way I would analyze stocks and bonds when I used to work at Barclays Capital. Um, and the, the data in the space was lacking. And so that's kind of where, where I got the idea to start the company. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an awesome space. Um, obviously, it's very volatile, but I think um, the fact that you're here means a lot. So I guess the question is, Obviously, you, you guys know why it's important because, like I said, you're here on a Thursday with beautiful weather. Um, but just to reiterate, like, why? What's the point of even learning about uh, cryptocurrency? It's revolutionary technology. Um, it's something that is. It's a lot of people say that our time right now is 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 mirrors what the internet was in the '90s. Uh, you know, we're only at the beginning of it. Even though you know, Bitcoin was created in 2009. Um, so we're roughly uh, almost a decade in. Um, we're we're at the infancy, so not bar barely the first inning. If you uh, if you are baseball fans, um, and you know, lots a lot a good thing to do sometimes when you don't know what to do is follow what smart people are doing, 
right? And I like to start follow what smart money is doing, right? So Andreessen Horowitz just made their biggest investment in the cryptocurrency-based startup this week. Um, and like I said, the, the cryptocurrency market has been down over 50% since January. They still believe in it. Goldman Sachs, um, obviously the biggest and best uh, investment bank on Wall Street, they were the first ones to announce that they have a trading desk. Um, they also have a, a venture capital fund that's been investing in cryptocurrency for years. So one of their investments is in Circle, which is a, a large cryptocurrency uh, trading platform. Um, Union Square Ventures, which is you know down the street, is probably the most popular uh, venture capital firm in um, New York, and you know they're they are very active in the space, and they're led by you know Fred Wilson, which is a, a legendary venture capitalist. If 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 following the money doesn't kind of uh, pique your interest, follow follow the future talent, right? So Coin, uh, Coinbase, uh, one of the biggest trading platforms, did a survey. They found out that 18% of students have cryptocurrency. One of the biggest things that happened last year, obviously last year was um, un, undeniably you know, driven by a lot of fluff. There was a lot of greed, but there was a lot of energy. People really wanted to get into the space, and a lot of younger folks wanted to get into the space. People that didn't care about investing in stocks, didn't care about investing in real estate, um, would, you know, they, this was the first time they'd ever made an investment. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, it's incredible that, you know, one, almost one out of every five uh, students have already put money into crypto. Um, if you look at, if it's, it's hard to see, but basically this is a list of the, some of the top um, institutions. Stanford has 10 crypto and blockchain classes. Cornell has nine. Uh, UPenn, six. Berkeley, four. Princeton has two. NYU has two. So, I mean, and, and now you're here on, on trying to figure out. So you're, you guys are also on that list of people that are uh, uh, taking courses and looking to learn. Uh, just, just a show of hands, who owns any crypto? Okay, about 50%. So I guess we're here, blockchain 101. Obviously, what, what is blockchain? You know, it's, blockchain is a chain of blocks. What are blocks? Blocks are, are, are digital containers that contain information. And the information is there without any centralized supervision. What does that even mean, right? The best parallel to, you know, so we like to, to a lot of people say blockchain, but they also use DLT interchangeably. So distributed ledger technology. Ledger is, is an accounting term that kind of takes, that basically looks at a history, history of transactions. A more basic parallel to that would be uh, a Google spreadsheet. So historically, before Google, Google spreadsheets were, or were out, we used to use uh, Microsoft Excel sheets. And so there was only one copy. You make changes to it, and then you email it to your colleagues or whoever has to look at it. Now you have something that's um, somewhat decentralized that many people could work on at one time. Um, that's what the parallel is to what a normal database is to what a blockchain is, right? So blockchain kind of lives out there and many people could write to the blockchain. Um, and it's, it's, that's, what, that's where the decentralization comes from, right? So if you look at uh, a normal setup, right? So a normal setup has basically uh, a bunch of devices connected to uh, one centralized server. So we're, when we're on Google or when we're on Facebook, and we 
you know, either put up a status update. That status update goes to Facebook's centralized server. And then Facebook redistributes it out to everybody else. Imagine if we were able to kind of like send it out and or it automatically went to a, a wide array of individuals without Facebook being in the middle, right? And so obviously the biggest use case that we know uh, around uh, blockchain is around money, right? And so money uh, historically has a centralized party. So even when I use Venmo, which is digital, uh, Venmo hooks into my bank account, who then hooks into your bank account, right? But now, in this case, Venmo is not even in, in there. I'm just sending you the money directly, right? Um, and so this is the decentralized uh, model where everybody's kind of connected to each other. Um, I, obviously, I don't want this to be one way, and I know that I, I might have used some terminology it may not be that clear. Anybody has a quick question, or is there any part of that I should uh, kind of spend more time on? Okay. Um, so, I guess the, another question is what Bitcoin versus blockchain, blockchain? Everybody uses those two things differently. What's the difference? Why does it matter, right? Obviously, Bitcoin is a digital currency that runs on the blockchain, and it cannot, without the blockchain, Bitcoin cannot exist. The reason why it cannot exist without blockchain is that when Bitcoin was created, it was like, you know, if, if there's something digital that I send to you, if I send you an email or I send you a PDF file that I created on my computer, how do I know that, how does the, and I tell you, oh, well, this is worth something, right? How does a person know that I just didn't make 10 copies of that and just send it to 10 people and then all automatically say that that's what it is, right? That's the reason why up to this point, anything digital can be, cannot be considered money, right? Because money has to be scarce. You have to make sure that people cannot double count it. You have to make sure that uh, <coughs> the person that sent it actually has what they have. And that's where the ledger comes in, right? And so that's why banks are involved, right? So when I, my Bank of America account sending you money via Venmo, if I only have $10 and I try to send $10 to two people, it's going to break the second time, right? Blockchain technology kind of takes what, block, what Bank of America does for us in that scenario and puts it on this. And so leveraging that allows you to take something that's digital, make it scarce, and you can make anything into money on, on that end, right? So money, like what is money in general? Money is basically what people say is money, right? So, you know, the U.S. dollar is money because it's backed by the faith of the government, right? Um, but, you know, like we all know, you know, uh, the U.S. dollar is not the only currency in the world, right? So, you know, just the past couple of weeks, we see in Turkey, they have a currency and people are not believing in it until so it's being devalued, right? Um, people use art as currency. People have used salts and sugar as currency. Um, you know, I, I like to argue that basically half the world was it was basically um, uh, discovered because people were so into spices, right? And wanted to kind of get to India. And they ended up in the, in the Caribbean or they ended up in, in Africa. And, and, and obviously there was a lot of civilization that was expanded. But, you know, it's it's... It's, it's pretty interesting, but in, in, at the end, end of the day, the reason why Bitcoin is of value is because, quite frankly, people say it's of value, but the only reason why it's usable and people cannot um, cheat, cheat the system is because of blockchain. When it comes to crypto, Bitcoin is the gateway drug, 
um, it's the first thing that people kind of step into. It's the first large cryptocurrency. It's the first cryptocurrency. It's the first use case for the blockchain. Um, but there's over 2,000 coins out there. Why can anybody create a coin? I mean, product school could create their own coin tomorrow and just and make people use their coin to buy the courses, right? Why is that even possible? The reason why it's possible is because Bitcoin is open source. Ethereum is open source, right? So meaning that the they take the the code that you use to create the the, the uh, coin is actually consumable for the world to see, right? So anybody could take it, tweak it, and then make it their own, right? Um, and just kind of introduce it. That's why we have so many coins that's created created out out there, especially last year with the uh, ICOs initial coin offering um, hype. People were doing it all day because they saw it. Some people were actually legitimately trying to improve on the technology because they saw limitations with Bitcoin, limitations with Ethereum. Um, but a lot of people were just trying to like take money from people, right? And so that's why you saw like this big run up and now you see um, the market has, has kind of pulled back quite a bit. Um, sure. Is that different from mining? No, no. So I guess mining, sorry, I actually, I need to, uh, I should probably talk about that a little bit. So like I said, uh, the blockchain is, is almost like this Google spreadsheet that has all the transactions, right? But obviously a Google spreadsheet, um, it's cool that everybody could uh, write to it, but then like somebody could put a cell in and then somebody could just change it tomorrow. So like I could say, I could uh, have had 10 Bitcoin yesterday and then go on the spreadsheet and add a zero and have a hundred, right? So just because it's decentralized doesn't make it, doesn't make it good, right? What makes it good is that it's decentralized and the verification can be decentralized. So the verifications, the, de the verification of, a, of these transactions happens through a process called mining, right? And so mining is, people use, mining basically they try to use it, um, it's kind of obviously copied from gold and, and silver and stuff like that and people like to say this is digital gold. Mining means I, you know, I, I as a person say I want to put up my computer or my internet access or my energy and say I, I'm willing to be a validator to transactions, right? And, to be, and, when you're, and why, why would anybody just want to be a validator? The reason why they want to be a validator is because they, do get, they get a fee. So you could basically get, um, you could get Bitcoin just for offering your, your, I could just hook in my, I mean, it doesn't work anymore, but it used to work where I could just hook in my, my, um, my MacBook and basically uh, download some code and say I validate. And what happens is when transactions are happening on the blockchain, it basically gets shouted out to the network and people say, and they says, all right, well, um, I just sent one, one Bitcoin to her. We need the network to validate it, right? And so everybody that kind of raises their hand and say they're a, a, a miner, they, they'll validate it, right? The question is, how do you know who validates and who gets the fee? The, the way that you get the fee is that there's this mathematical equation. That's, why, that's where the crypto, cryptography comes in. Basically, your computer has to like solve a math problem the fastest. Then it says, all right, well, then the system says, all right, that person basically solved the mathematical puzzle first. That person gets to be the, the uh, validator, and therefore that person gets a part of the fee, right? And so the reason why I said that I used to be able to do this with my laptop is that in the beginning, you didn't need that much computing power to do it because the network was small. But obviously, over the past few years, with Bitcoin being more viable, the competition to um, 
become minors and get those fees has have gone up. So now people are having like servers and people are testing all type of different technologies to, in order to have the power to um, you know perform that calculation as fast as they could and win that prize, so to speak. If you have enjoyed the episode so far, check out our upcoming live events at productschool.com slash events. Use the promo code PRODUCTPODCAST in all caps to get a free ticket to the next event in your city. The, the people who buy, like the, the cryptographer who writes the code, are they different from blockchain engineers like build this? Like is there a difference in professions? There, they are. They, no, they are. They're, they're different because every coin basically has its like own mining algorithm. So it was created when the blockchain was created. So like, let's say, what's your name? Ta. Ta. So Ta coin, right? So you you create Ta coin and you create your own blockchain and how it will work. You will in 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 the code that you make, you will create what I guess the standard is for people to be able to get fees. Right, so that's already fixed once it is. So then, the people that want to kind of get Tacoin, they kind of code their computer to basically compete for the calculation you have, and that's it. So that I mean, miners. So the people, blockchain engineers, blockchain developers create the coins. Miners just see what is already created and kind of create um, a, a hardware structure that could kind of basically compete on that. They basically, it's almost like you created an equation, right? And so one blockchain has an equation that's based on algebra and one has equation based on, on I don't know, uh, trigonometry. Like, I, I just know, all right, well, trigonometry, like, I, I'm not trying to solve for X, I'm trying to solve for uh, cosine or what have you, right? And so, like, I, I'll code my computer to do that. Um, but now it's like you can't really use a computer. It's not really a computer. Like a, it's a computer, but then like there's like a lot of machines behind it. It's almost like the, a large server farm that you have to do, depending on how competitive the coin is. Um, but yeah, it's two different skill sets. What stops the miner from like wrongfully validating something, or is it just that they're removed from the actual transaction and don't know the people? Yeah, they were well because it's mathematical. They can't cheat it. So I mean, they can't. Oh, they just need server power. They need power. Yeah, yeah. They download code that runs all on its own. They're just providing power. Right, right. No, the computer's doing it. They're not verbally doing it. Um, but that's a good point. So what happens is because it's gotten so competitive to to be a miner, you have uh, there are certain firms that have, well, a certain place. Places and firms that have advantages. So it takes a, a ton of energy to mine Bitcoin. Um, so, you know, if you were to try to mine Bitcoin in this room, like a uh, few fuses would probably pop because it would be, uh, it would be tough. So a lot of like places that like, like Iceland, places that have like clean energy that's either free or um, subsidized have advantages. Um, places that create hardware that, um, are used for other things. So like basically the biggest miners are actually in China and the biggest company, one of the biggest companies is called Bitmain and they, they actually make like this, this kind of machine that mines crypto for you. It's like, per, it's like made for that. And they've gotten so good at it that 
instead of selling it out, they'll just use it for themselves. So what, what the, the controversy is that a lot of times they're, they're basically like, they're, it's, like, it's almost if, I so, show, if I'm selling the market iPhone 5s, but I have the iPhone 7 in my pocket. So like I mine, and then like once I have the iPhone 9, I'll sell the iPhone 7 to everybody else. And then they're trying to compete with my iPhone 9. Right, so that's some of the controversies that happen. So even though it's decentralized, people are worried that if they keep doing it, they can get a majority of the mining power, or they call it hash power, and then they could just like basically do what they want because they could be the transaction and the validators. Right, we're a long way from doing that, but obviously this space is so new, and there's always conspiracy theorists. Um, so you know, we'll see how it goes. So yeah, I mean, this is. Uh, to, to the last thing we talk about, this is Venezuela. So you know, it, it, nobody was really checking for Bitcoin that much. This year, it's it's gotten humongous because people are are they're not looking for it to get rich. They're looking for it to s survive or to you know to get the things they need. Bitcoin uh, is the first and most popular one. Uh, there's over two thousand coins out there. I personally believe that ninety nine percent of them will be worthless. In, um, in the next few years. Uh, why would the, in these countries that are experiencing economic problems, why would their currency drop against the dollar but not against Bitcoin? In other words, why would it, well, they, they, they've dropped They've dropped over uh, against Bitcoin too. Okay. But there, I mean, it, it, it's, if it's, the thing is, if it's dropping, the earlier you could switch it out to Bitcoin, the better. Okay. Right? Um, because what happens is as it's dropping, bread becomes 10 times as more the more time it goes but if you got into bitcoin early um or the earlier you got into bitcoin like you, you now you have like that fixed buying power um so you don't have to worry about that as much um so ethereum is the next most popular one uh, a lot of people ask all right i hear about bitcoin i hear about ethereum what what's the difference so bitcoin is is basically like it's it's boolean so for people that don't know i mean uh you know boolean obviously is 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 more of a, a computer science term but boolean just means binary zero or one right that's it ethereum is turing complete meaning that it could be a lot more complex and the, re, the and what i guess the the why that matters is that basically bitcoin just bitcoin is basically can tell you like whether somebody has it or not, right? So it's good for like a transaction, like me sending you money and that's it. So my, my balance goes down, your balance goes up. It's just kind of a basic thing. Um, Ethereum is a lot more complicated. It can be a lot more complicated. So Ethereum allows you to write programs on top of it. Ethereum allows you to do smart contracts. And so what is a smart contract? A smart contract is a contract that could basically exercise automatically, right? So we know regular contracts, if something happens in a regular contract, you have lawyers that write it, you have to go and, 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 and get, you know, if it's a house, you have to get a title search, all that kind of stuff. Um, I guess I'm, I'm looking at that right now. So basically, like, a smart contract is similar to a vending machine, right? So I go, I go to the store, I give them a dollar, I get Coke, right? But somebody was doing that. Like, somebody, like, took the money, put it into the cash register, and saw me receive the Coke from the... Uh, from the refrigerator and put it in, and then we, we kind of do it that way. But a vending machine is like, all right, I put the dollar in, the machine programmatically sends me the, uh, the Coke right then and there, right? And so that's a, very, that's a very simple example, but if you could do that programmatically, there are so many things you could do, right? And it could be a lot, you could build things on top of each other, right? So people are, so 
when I told you about those 2,000 coins that are being created, a lot of people are creating coins on top of Ethereum because you, um, you can do, you can almost do like all type of permutations, right? Because at the end of the day, code and most of the internet is, is, is just math, right? It's like a bunch of if then that's, that's that kind of get packed on top of top of each other. So people are creating all type of stuff on Ethereum. So when it comes to like, when you look at crypto and you look at what is actually used for different things, um, Bitcoin is not that useful for much other than, you know, most people are just using it as kind of like a dig, uh, a gold storage, kind of like a commodity. Um, some people, obviously, like in Venezuela, Turkey, what have you, are using it for money. Um, Ethereum, people are actually coding on top of it, right? It's almost as if, um, it's almost like a, a, a a coding language like Python or HTML or what have you. Like people, just the same way you build websites on top of languages, people are doing that on top of Ethereum. The only problem with Ethereum and a lot of these cryptos is that they don't scale very well. Um, so like if, if, you, if you do have something where a lot of people are using it, the network quote unquote could be slowed down, right? Um, and so the reason why the network could be slowed down is because you need everything that happens needs to go out to this blockchain network. People have to validate it. Then the thing could happen, right? And so in theory, it sounds like something that could be having, happen quick. But in actuality, it actually could take uh, quite a bit of time because you, you need enough people to be validating things and, and things of that sort. And, and, um, and what happens with Ethereum is so many different, there's so many things that are trying to happen on top of it. Is that, is that as if you took your laptop and you had, you know, 10 different Chrome windows and then you had all these tabs, you know how your computer gets slow when you do that? It's the same kind of thing because it's almost like a decentralized computer versus a decentralized, uh, you know, uh, money network or bank. So hypothetically, you can create your own better version of Ethereum. But what happens is the re reason why you have so many coins is actually you have, other, you have other people that are trying to be, create better Ethereums, right? Um, so you do, there are, are other options. So like there's things, there's something called Stellar, there's something called Neo, there's something called um, uh, Stellar Neo EOS is another one that's popular. So these are all, so you have, the, you have coins that are trying to be better currencies than Bitcoin. You have coins that are be, trying to be better um, smart contract platforms like Ethereum. And then you just have this, this kind of like this arms race. And, you know, you have a bunch of engineers that are trying to code that one and trying to make it better. You have another one. And then what happens with this space is what, when people are buying into it, it becomes like people betting on what technology is going to take over. So I, I guess not to distract the class, yeah. but, if, but if I'm smart and I'm trying to launch my own project, I'm better off. Uh, if, I, and if I'm worried about the scale, I'm better off just tagging into somebody else's yeah, that's what most people are doing. But some people are realizing that Stellar is a better option. Sure. Like, for instance, even large companies. So, like, um, IBM has a blockchain initiative. I actually met with the, the person that runs it um, earlier this week. And she said, yeah, they were trying to, you know, and they, their thing is they were building blockchain technologies for other Fortune 500 companies. And they were like, we wanted to build our kind of corporate blockchains for our clients on top of Ether, but it's just too slow. And so they kind of create, they're, they're part of a consortium that's creating their own called Hyperledger. Um, so, you know, what, we, what we're seeing right now in the market is just like a bunch of technologies being 
kind of battling with each other and trying to be creative. It's like this happened in the beginning of the internet. People were trying to figure out what protocols are best. Um, and but HTML won out, JavaScript won out, right? There's so many different ver ways you can build out websites, but the whole world kind of like over time kind of collapsed and combined over different technologies, and those became the kind of like the standards. Um, so that's where we are right now. So it's basically like different technologies betting against each other, or people trying to figure out what's best. But I guess that's which brings me to the other point, right? So like Ethereum, while it's limited has a huge community of people, right? So a lot of the smartest engineers are going there. So the theory is like, you have a bunch of smart people in a room and they kind of bang their heads against each other as uh, for the longest period of time, they're going to make things the best because they're gonna kind of compete with each other and sharpen each other out. Um, not every, not every, um, not too many coins have that. Like for instance, there's a firm called Consensus, which is like a huge firm based in Brooklyn. Um, they have about a thousand people, and all their thing is like you, one of the, the person that invent, uh, that created it was one of the founders of Ethereum. He became a billionaire. He took his own money and created his large organization. And all the organization does is build things on top of Ethereum, whether it's building startups, whether it's advising companies to use it, advising governments. So like they have, they just open up. They have a, a team that goes to Saudi Arabia that is pushing Saudi government to leverage Ethereum. They just opened up uh, office in Israel, they have in, in Ireland. They're trying to become like, kind of like the white combinator slash McKinsey of the space. Um, um, so yeah, I guess uh, I was, uh, this, this kind of talks about the course, but before we go there, I guess, um, I've been speaking a lot and obviously I appreciate some of the questions, but does anybody have any other questions? Kind of, that's like the only uh, formalized part of Shanavit. Uh, yeah, just uh, going back a little bit earlier from what you were talking about, um, really, the way Bitcoin works with those ledger and how all the transactions are recorded, uh, when you hear about these hacks of uh, Bitcoin being stolen from wallets and everything, sure. if everything's tracked, then how is that happening? Uh, good question. So. That's so. There's two. So what's happening with the wallet? So the hacks happen on wallets and they happen on exchanges. So the blockchain is the blockchain, but what gives you access to whatever you have on a blockchain? Uh, let's say you're. Uh, let's assume you're a person. Is is basically. Um, it's. I guess to parallel it, it's like our emails. Like my email is not. My Gmail is not in my pocket, right? If my Gmail is on Google servers and I can access it with my my email address and my password. It works the same way for crypto. So your Bitcoin holdings are actually on the blockchain all the time. It's always like on the this decentralized server. But what allows you to access it is it's a public key and private key. So public key is like your email address, private key is like your password. And if somebody has access to that, they can just grab your, your stuff. And there's ways to trick, just like I could trick you to get your you know, credit card information, or I could trick you to get your email uh, password. There are people that, you know, you could hack into your computer, maybe, there's many ways where you could be tricked into giving up your public and private keys, and that's what usually happens. But wouldn't there be an electronic trail somehow of where that Bitcoin is moved to? Yeah, yeah, so there, there is. I mean, the problem is, you know, legal, sometimes for the largest ones, I mean, um, so that, I guess there's two big hack issues. It's people, but more importantly, what you probably inherit is our exchanges. Because what happens when people trade on exchanges, the exchanges have basically people's keys, and then if people could hack an exchange, and then you could have access to 
you know, billions of dollars, right? So let's say if Coinbase was to get hacked, you know, that'd probably be, um, you know, upwards of, of $500 billion that somebody could take, right? But they, the reason why they're Coinbase is they've, they've done things to kind of protect against that. Um, but yes, there, there was a, a large hack that happened to a, a cryptocurrency exchange earlier this year in Japan. They were able to track it by looking at the different uh, coin, I mean, uh, wallets that the coins were going to and, and kind of uh, track the person. But you have to be quick, you have to be good, you have to have, legal, you have, to have law enforcement that's going to be along with it. If that was happening to the U.S., it probably wouldn't work out. Like NYPD, FBI are not synced up with the cryptocurrency space well enough. And you have to be very, very fast. Because, I mean, somebody could, like, do something where, like, they take it, put it into one wallet, then fast move it to, like, 500 different wallets. And, like, I mean, it could become, like, this cat and mouse game. And, um, you know, as the space grows, um, hackers would be... As the space becomes more sophisticated, hackers are going to be even more sophisticated. Um, sure. Can you talk about some of the use cases today or in the very near future that are other than the currency markets? Sure, sure. Um, there's a lot. Um, so, uh, you know, people are, are using the blockchain to track, right? So, you know, we remember how Chipotle had a big issue because, you know, there was E. coli. They didn't know what, where the letters came from. What people are doing is they're, trying, they're basically stamping produce, pulling that on a blockchain, and using that to um, track where something came from. So that way, if there is something like that that happens in the future, people know, well, like that fish came from, you know, that uh, fish farm or that piece of, of, of tomato came from there. It's almost like, I guess what's happening between companies, people are realizing like, historically, you know, uh, Chipotle would have its own database. And so they would see the boxes, right? But then the, the, the person that gives them the stuff, let's say it's, you know, Farmer Joe in Montana, you don't know if Farmer Joe has the same code, like, you know, they may, they may uh, code their produce on, you know, five digits and you may do 100 digits, whatever, right? So using the blockchain, you kind of just centralize it and you can track it and you can see what's going on. Um, so people are leveraging the blockchain to kind of go between um, different things. Um, in, in general, you know, technology, the, one of the, the leaders in technology is usually gaming. Actually, if you look at um, some of the different technologies that came up before, there's a lot of different things that are happening with gaming. Um, for instance, you know, uh, people that are familiar with Second Life, basically, like you could basically, um, you basically have this decentralized world where people could buy things. You could you have a character and you could buy a coat of armor or what have you, right? Um, it sounds silly, but people actually spend money on that kind of stuff, right? You could kind of have that kind of stuff on the blockchain where you could take your character and put it on to into another game. You're not, you're not, it's historically you would, let's say you play Candy Crush and you'd have to just use all the things, the digital, digital stuff you use on Candy Crush. Now you could do it off of Candy Crush. Um, there, to be on the more serious side, you know, there are things that are happening in finance, right? So people are thinking, trying to use the blockchain to digitize equity, right? Or digitize um, hard assets, right? So. Historically, it would, you know, if you had an apartment building and you wanted to share ownership around it, um, you know, it would be a lot of legalities around it. It would be hard to attract the folks. People are trying to figure out how can I take that blockchain ledger um, and take an asset like that, split it up, and then the ownership will be there and it can be tradable, right? So people are taking, taking these coins and actually putting it on top of real assets.
Um, what else? I mean, there's, there's so many different things that uh, 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 people are testing. Um, is coin blockchain or is a coin just one thing that's built on blockchain? And the the coin, coin or the, some people use coin, some people use token depending on the project. That is the, the, uh, there's, the blockchain is kind of like the environment. And that's what's being passed around in the environment to basically um, compensate for resources, right? Because if you didn't have a currency, you know, how would you know what transaction goes first? How would you, how would you attract people to validate transactions? Um, but yes, it's, it goes on top of it. So the blockchain is the, um, is the Bank of America and, and Chase. And the coin, and the coin is always the dollar that goes between those players. Um, but in the example I was giving him, when you have blockchains that are within corporate environments, you don't need the coins because it's kind of like all trusted parties, right? So a lot of times, let's say Chipotle was to use a blockchain for something, all the trusted parties would be probably the business partners. So you don't have to like compensate. You just like, hey, well, this is this is the technology we're going to use. So that's, it's not really decentralized, it's, kind of, it's quasi-decentralized because it's like between trusted parties, but it's a lot better than what they have now. So you have in different use cases. How do you see blockchain um, used in healthcare? Um, obviously, uh, electronic or medical records um, are here. Individuals, can they, I don't understand that part of like, how, I, how can I become responsible for my own medical record once it's been taken out from the hospital, let's say. Sure. So, I mean, you can, uh, the records can be electronic, put on a blockchain, um, and you could be the only person that has the keys to it. And then when you want, when you go to see your dentist, you can give the person your, your access to your, I guess, your, your data. Yeah. Um, and then once you left that office, you could pull that data access from that individual. So both me and the doctor's office have to have this kind of technology that allows this to happen. Right, right, right. So yeah, if it's only you, then I mean, it's, it's just yeah. like, you know, your, it's just like your pocket. Like, but if you, if it's something that you need other people to view, um, you would have to have it that is open, but you could control the access. And in that example, you'd have like a, a token or a coin or something which you hand it to that to the doctor. Yeah. She, she probably would pass the public key. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is like her email address. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the product podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. If you want to know more about our courses and next courts, visit productschool.com. Stay tuned for the next episode to learn more about the secrets in product management.